All right, if you'll hold it in Acts chapter 27, and we're going to be uh, staying there for the, the most of the message, but we're going to be bouncing around with a lot of scripture, but keep your finger in Acts 27. But I'd like to read a passage out of Job chapter 17. If you'll listen, this kind of sets the, uh, the, the, the name of the message here. Uh, Job chapter 17, you know Job, if you know, everybody knows the story of Job pretty much. He had been assaulted by the devil, uh, had everything taken away from him except for his life. And uh, this is uh, in the middle of this whole tribulation that Job had. This is what he says, a couple of verses here in Job 17, starting with verse uh, 11. My days are past, my purposes are broken off, even the thoughts of my heart. They change the night into day, the light is short because of darkness. If I wait, the grave is mine house. I have made my bed in the darkness. I have said to corruption, thou art my father, to the worm, thou art my mother and my sister. And where is now my hope? As for my hope, who shall see it? And this is the question, the question Job asks, asks here in this verse 15 is the title of this message, where is now my hope? Um, the definition of, of the word hope, if you go to Webster's 1828 Dictionary, it says this, hope is a confidence in a future event. It's the highest degree of well-founded expectation of good, as in hope founded on God's gracious promises. Now, society nowadays uses the word hope like, well, I hope I, I, hope I get this, I hope I get that raise, I hope I, I it's, 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 not, it's not a confidence, it's it's a kind of an expression of uncertainty for the, for the world, the way they use it now. I hope this, I hope this happens, or I, I hope this doesn't happen. It's, it's a wish without a certain outcome. But when the Bible talks about hope, it doesn't talk about maybe, I hope so. It talks about a certainty. It talks about a certainty that while uh, it might not be seen, whatever that hope is, it is the remedy to the current situation that we are in. It's certain. Now, now, Job's question is going to be our question today, where is our hope? Now, Job was saying it out of desperation, like, I, I, got no, I, don't, I have nothing. Where's my hope? That's how he was saying it. And I think sometimes we fall into that category. We, we, we deal with difficult situations. Um, you know, we've, we've all experienced the last year has been quite, uh, quite difficult with a lot of things going on, uh, troubled times, dangers, uncertainty, all that stuff. And because of these things, uh, all the uncertainty, the danger, the fear, it all causes people to become discouraged, depressed. Uh, it, they, they become violent because they don't know how to handle things, so they become violent, become suicidal. I'm talking about even Christians, okay? It's not just, not just the world. I, I see Christians falling into this same mentality where they just have no hope. Um, and people, people start to believe that, well, there's, no, there's nothing left to live for, and they're fearful because of the future, because of the uncertainty they feel in their heart. What I'd like to say today is that hope is the opposite of uncertainty. It's, hope is not an uncertain thing. It's a certain thing. Hope is certain. And, you know, I think people generally, when they start out in life, they start out hopeful, and, and, you know, but I think as life wears on and the, the, the trials of life come upon them, that, that hope kind of wears away. And the question we need to ask ourselves, first of all, is Why? That's what we're going to find in Acts chapter 27, an answer to two questions we have today, where is now my hope, asked in two different ways. The first, first time we ask, we're going to ask, well, where is, where is my hope right now? Is it misplaced? Where is my hope? Where is now my hope? Let's look at Acts chapter 27, and we're going to read some verses here, starting in verse 9. 
Now, uh, just to catch you up with the story, what's going on here, uh, the Apostle Paul has been imprisoned for about two years. He's appealed to Caesar so that he can get out of being executed by the Jews, and he has been given that, granted that appeal to Caesar, and he's now going to be transported to Rome to appear before Caesar. And they're looking for a way to get to Rome. They, they've got, been on one ship, and now they're looking for another ship. And that's where, we, that's where we pick up this story in Acts chapter 27, verse 9. <clears throat> Let's read a couple of verses, then we'll go back and see what we learn from this. Now, when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already past, Paul admonished them and said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lading and ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also, if by any means they might attain to Phenice and there to winter, which is in haven of Crete and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. But not long after, there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurocladon. And when the t ship was caught and could not bear up into the wind, we let her drive. And running under a certain island, which is called Clauda, we had much work to come by the boat which when they had taken up, they used helps, undergirding the ship, and fearing lest they should fall into the quicksands, strake sail, and so were driven. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship, and the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away." We end up here at the end of this section of the story where they, they, they had started out this trip. They had hope. They had a hope of where, where they were going to end up and the, how they were going to do it. And at the, by the time we get to verse 20, it says, all hope that they should be saved was then taken away. Their hope is totally gone, which tells me that the hope that they had was misplaced. So the question is, where was their hope in? Uh, let's look at this. There's a few things in here that, that, through the story that we see they had their hope in. Excuse me. Uh, <clears throat> let's look at verse, verse, verse 11. You know, Paul, Paul admonished them saying, hey, uh, I perceive that this voyage is going to, there's going to be some problems, hurt, damage of the ship. Um, but look at verse 11. It says this, uh, nevertheless, the centurion, who's the one in charge of the soldiers and the prisoners, the centurion believed the master and owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken of by Paul. The first thing people misplaced their hope in was those who were in charge. The, uh, the master and owner of the ship. He was the guy in charge of the ship and, and of the sailing. And uh, he said, you know what? Uh, I'm going to believe this guy in charge more than what Paul is saying here. And I think that we often do the same thing. We, we look to those who are in charge. And, the, and let me say this before we, we get off track with this. God has placed certain authorities over us. Don't get me wrong. God has placed certain authorities over us. But um, when, when all our hope and our confidence is in those authorities, we can be disappointed because of that. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Think of this. Uh, people often put their hope in what politicians in office. So do I need to say anything else after that? <laughs> uh, politicians, you know, and, and I, God, God ordained the government, okay, but um, people's hope is in politicians and, you know, what the senators and the president, uh, who's governor of the state, people put their hope in, well, if this person is in office, everything will be well and I will have hope. Not necessarily so. Um, and like I said, these other two are also God-ordained. People put their hope in, in pastors, in parents, and those are God-ordained authorities in our life. But 
the biggest blow to our hope can be when those that are in charge and authority of us, some of respect, ultimately fails. Look, we're all flesh. We're, th- from the pastor to, to the, the young child in the nursery, uh, we're all flesh, and eventually we are going to fail. And if all your confidence and hope is in that person, I'm not saying you don't respect them, I'm not saying you don't follow them as they follow the Lord, but if all our hope is in that person, you're going to be disappointed sometimes. Eventually, you're going to be disappointed. And these people were in, the, the, the centurion was hoping in, the, in the, the guy that was in charge here, the master and owner. And we, we tend to put up, you know, our hope in people that God has placed over us, but we put our hope on those people. And that's, that's a misplaced hope. They are fallible human beings. So uh, people place their hope in things, those that are in charge. Um, that's part of why they ended up with no hope at the end of this thing. Um, look at verse 12. Here's another reason. And because the haven was not commodious to winter in. That means that word commodious means it wasn't, it wasn't convenient. It wasn't convenient to stay there. The haven was not commodious. So people put their hope in convenience as well. You say, what do you mean? Well, I said, well, basically, we, we kind of structure our life. Well, if everything is the way that I want it, then everything will be okay. If everything is exactly how I've structured it in my mind and planned it out, then that's what I'll hope in because I've figured this thing out and everything's convenient for me and everything works just the way I want it. And everything, you know, there's nothing difficult about this. There's nothing inconvenient about this. So I'll have hope as long as everything is like that. And that's what they said here. Well, this, this place, this haven, you know, Paul's saying the ship is going to, you know, have some problem. We're going to have a, have a problem later on. But where we're staying here, this is not the com- most convenient place to stay. And they're placing their hope in what is convenient for them. Also look at verse 12 again. He says, you know, it says the haven was not commodious to winter in. Um, because the haven was not commodious to winter in, the more part advised to depart thence also. So not only did they place their hope in those people that were in charge and in the convenience of what they, what they wanted, but they also placed their hope in the consensus of everybody around them. You see what it says there? The more part advised to depart. Everybody's in agreement here. We all should leave this, this harbor. It's not convenient. The master of the ship is saying we should do this. Everybody's, majority is in agreement. So we're going to put our hope in the majority opinion or in the consensus of what, of what people are saying. Can I say this? Um, first of all, two things about this. Everybody agreeing about something does not make it good or right. Some of the biggest atrocities in history have been committed with a consensus about that atrocity. Um, in the early 1930s, everybody was in agreement that they should appease Hitler and just let, let him do his thing. How did that work out? That was the consensus. Let's do this. Everybody's in agreement. Um, the crucifixion of Christ was done with a consensus of the people. The majority of Jews agreed that they should take Barabbas and crucify Christ. Consensus does not mean it's right or good. And yet they're saying here, well, the more part agree that we should do this. So we're going to have hope in that. Um, they hoped in those in charge and the, and the convenience that they were, they were looking at, the consensus. And in verse 13, look at this. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence, they sailed close by Crete. So they saw the, uh, uh, the, these three things, those in charge, they hoped in convenience, they hoped in consensus. They also hoped in their circumstances. And this is a big one. This is a big one right here. The south wind blew softly. Hey, everything's working out just right. This is exactly the way I planned it out. Kind of goes along with the convenience thing. All the circumstances are lining up for us, so this must be the right thing to do. Um, we look at it, we look at things, we say, well, if A, B, and C line up, 
all the, all the circumstances are just right for me. But if these don't work out, if, if the circumstances are against me, if, if things are happening that I don't, don't like, if there's no trouble, well, then I can't, I can't have hope in that because there's this difficulty coming my way. There's this, the circumstances are not uh, accommodating to me. And we're putting our hope in circumstances, just like these people did. And where did it end up? In verse 20, all hope that they should be saved was then taken away. They had hoped in circumstances. They hoped in their, the consensus that they had with what to do. They hoped in the fact that it was not convenient to stay there. They hoped in those in charge would give them you know, the right answer. And all these things, all these things they hoped in, misplaced hope. All hope that they should be saved was taken away because the hope was not in the right place. The hope was in the wrong place. The temp- you know, it says, uh, verse 20, and no small tempest lay on us. There were many days of this tempest and dashed all the hopes that they had. I'd like to say this, to make an application to uh, anyone that might be here in this case. This is the state of every person that is lost without Christ. Um, Ephesians 2.12 says that those that are without Christ, they have, they're having no hope and without God in the world. Having no hope and without God in the world. That's the state of a lost person who has not trusted Christ as their Savior. Now, look at, the, 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 look at the application here in this chapter that we're looking at in Acts. They didn't consult what God wanted them to do. They didn't consult God at all in their plans. They ignored what God's man counseled them to do. Paul told them, hey, I perceive this is going to be a problem. Don't do this. And when it comes down to it, the people that are lost without Christ, that's all they got to look, look to is those that are in charge, the convenience of the matter, the consensus of everybody else around them, and the circumstances. That's all they got. That's all they have to look for. Look for. They're without God in the world. They have nothing else to look for. They just got those physical things to say, this is where I'm going to hold my hope in. And, and when those things fall apart, their hope falls apart. To make, to make the matters worse for this, a lost person... Those, those things they put their hope in really is only for this, this life. Because for them, for a lost person, someone who is without Christ, death is the end. That's it. That's all they got. It's an, and it's an uncertain end at that because they have no confidence in what comes after this life because they're lost without, without Christ. Um, we know, according to the scriptures, that the end of a lost person is the lake of fire. That, that's, that's a horrible end to someone who lives their life having their hopes dashed, dies and ends up in a, in a place that God never intended for them to end up, but because they pl- misplaced their hope. Their hope was in a bunch of things that they should, ought not have been in. A bunch of, bunch of, bunch of, bunch of things that, that are, are, are physical, tangible um, things that, that are not going to secure you for eternity. Um, now, as a Christian... I think sometimes we fall into the trap of putting our hope in those things as well. We look to the leaders. We look to uh, what's, what's convenient for us. We look to our, our plans and make sure that everything is, is, is uh, you know, uh, the circumstances are fitting into what we want. We look to see around us, does everybody agree with me? And then this is, this is where our, all our hope is. And if we don't, we're not careful, we're going to end up in the same position these shipmen ended up, all hope being taken away. Um, I, I, I developed this message because I was kind of in this place, and the Lord really challenged me to see, where is, where's your, what's your hope really in? And I think sometimes we acknowledge where, well, our hope is in God, and our hope is in his word, and our, you know, all those things. Um, but when those things hit us, 
we've really been making our choices and our hopes based upon all those, those four things I mentioned. You know, does everybody agree with this? Okay, well, that's good. It, it, are my circumstances lining up with what I like? And that's not where our hope should be in. You know, we, we, we talked about the, the question that Paul asked, where is now my hope? Well, is our hope in those things? Is it in those things? Um, I think we should uh, find out what the Bible says our hope should be in. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 tells us to think on things that, it gives a whole list of things to think on, but one of the things it tells us to think upon is what sort of things are true. And since the Bible says in John 17, 17, thy word is truth, what does the Bible tell us to hope in? Not as whatever else agree we should hope in. What does the Bible tell us to hope in? Whatever that is, we should think on those things. That should be what our mind is on. That should be what our confidence is on. That should be what our hope is in. So I'm going to ask the question in a slightly different way. We asked, where is now my hope? I'm going to ask us now. Maybe we should reevaluate and say, where is now? Where is now my hope? And let's look at the remainder of this passage in Acts and see what, uh, what, we, what we can learn from this from Paul. Now, the people in the ship... They had misplaced hope, and they ended up with all their hopes dashed. Let's see what Paul has to say. Look at uh, verses 21 to 25 here in the book of Acts, chapter 27. Starting in verse 21, Paul says, uh, well, the Bible says this, verse 21, but after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened unto me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. And now I exhort you to be of good cheer, for there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me. Now let's look at this thing here. Look at the first thing he says in verse 23. Why was Paul, why did Paul still have hope? even though everybody else on that ship, all hope was, uh, was taken away. First of all, look, I see this in verse 23. There stood by me this night the angel of God. Um, I'm not going to go into, for sake of time, I'm not going to go into the, the, the biblical uh, proof that this is true, but the angel of God is, is, is a manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, you can, if you want to check that out, go to Galatians chapter 4, verse 14 when you have time. But the angel of God is the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, Paul said, you know what? You know why I have hope? Because I'm hoping in the Lord Jesus Christ. He stood by me tonight, and I'm hoping in him. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, Paul starts out his letter to Timothy saying um, about the Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3, he writes to the Thessalonian church, Paul says, he, I, I say, he said, remembering your patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, uh, um, Paul talks about that mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And do you see the future context with that one as well? You see, that's, that's, a, that's a certainty that only a, a saved person can have is hope of the future. A lost person can't hope anything about the future. They don't know anything about the future. But we can hope in hope. The hope of glory is when we are finally glorified with Jesus Christ, when we are resurrected or when he comes back. That hope we have is because it's in Jesus Christ. That's where Paul's hope was, in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now, I'd like to take that phrase that he used. He says, I, uh, he says, I, have, I have hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, for there stood by me this night the angel of God. So, you know, the, the, the Godhead that the Bible sets out for us, there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. So the Lord Jesus Christ is one part of the Godhead. He's the Son. Um, so he is, he is God's Son. We look at this, he says, the angel of God. So it's God's, God's, God's Son here. Also look in uh, verse 25. Paul said in the middle of the verse there, I believe God. So there's the Father in that part of the Godhead. Not only did uh, the, Paul have confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ, he had confidence in God the Father, the angel of God whose I am. I belong to God. That's who, that's who, who, who owns me, who, who is, who's in charge of me, who's got control of this thing. And notice that both of these points, the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and God the Father, focuses on whose we are. We belong to God. If you're saved, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are God's. He's a good father. He, he, he's not sadistic. He's not cruel. You gotta, you, you, we have to remember that when some things come in our lives because we start doubting that. It happens. We, we, this, something comes along, we're like, uh. Why is God doing this? I get it. I've been there. But just God's not a mean God. He's a loving, gracious, merciful Heavenly Father. And Paul says, I'm his. Whose I am. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 21 says that your faith and hope might be in God. And Romans 15, verse 13 says, now the God of hope caused you to abound in hope. Abound in it. Not just that we're going to have some hope. Abound in it. Just multiply it. Overflowing hope. The psalmist said in Psalm 39, verse 7, Lord, what wait I for? My hope is in thee. Um, keep in, in, in Acts chapter 27. Look at Psalm 42. Because this, I love this psalm. I love a lot of the psalms, actually, but it's such a good... Um, tell me if maybe, you know, you were... At this point, at some point in the last year. Psalm 42, verse 5 says this. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Cast down at all this year, last last year? Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? No rest, no quiet, no peace. I don't know who picked the songs out today. (laughs) It was good. Um... Why art thou cast down on my soul, and why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Look at verse 11. Again, why art thou cast down on my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Where is now my hope? It's in the Lord Jesus Christ. Where is now my hope? It's in God the Father. If I'm cast down, disquieted, hope in God. Look at this also in, back in Acts chapter 27, uh, verses 24 and 25. Uh, you know, Paul said, I, there stood by me the angel of God, verse 24, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. So the Lord spoke something very particular to Paul, gave him some, something, uh, some words to hear. In verse 25, Paul says this, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. Why? For I believe, God, that it shall be even as it was told me. So he has confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ, hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. He has hope in God the Father. But, but what, what else does he have hope in? I believe that it shall be even as it was told me. 
uh, something that God said to Paul. And we have something that God said to us right here. The words of this book are what God said to you and I and every person in this world, what God wants you to know. It's, and we should, it's fine to, to have hope in God and hope in Jesus Christ, but how do you know anything about them without this? What God said. Paul had hope in Christ, he had hope in God the Father, but he had hope in what God said. Look at Psalm 119. Hold your place there next. Psalm 119. Sorry, I'm making you bounce back and forth a little bit here. Psalm 119. Look at a couple of verses here. Psalm 119, um, 49. Paul had hope in what God said. Paul had hope in God's word. <clears throat> Verse 49 says, remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou hast caused me to hope. He hoped in his word. Look at verse 81 of the same chapter. My soul fainteth for thy salvation, but I hope in thy word. Verse 114. Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. 116. Uphold me according unto thy word that I may live and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Look at, look at just a few pages over Psalm 130. Same kind of idea that we saw in Psalm 119. Psalm 130 verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in his word do I hope. Paul had hope in what God said. And that's, where, that's one place where our hope should be as well, in what God said. Uh, one last one. This is a good one. Romans 15. It's just a back a little ways from Acts. Sorry, I'm going the wrong direction. Forward from Acts. I'll be okay. Romans 15, verse 4 says this. This kind of wraps, summarizes all that stuff we read in Psalms. Romans 15, 4 says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, why? That we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. This, this hoping in, in people and hoping in circumstances and hoping in convenience, it's going to fall apart. You know what's not going to fall apart? This right here. The book. Acts 27. Actually, let's all, there's a few other things that weren't mentioned in Acts, Acts 27 that we should also hope in that the Bible says. And then we're going to wrap this up with some, some results of this and we'll be done. So we should hope in Jesus Christ. He's our Savior. He died for us, rose again. We should hope in God the Father. He's the one that loved us enough to send his Son to do that for us. We should hope in the Scriptures, the Word of God, what God said to us. Look also at this, 1 Peter chapter 1. couple things here. If you can't keep up with the, uh, the, the scriptures, I'd I, I like to use a lot of scriptures because I have nothing to say to you, but the, the word of God's got the things to say. Um, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says this. If you can't keep up, just listen. It says this, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope 
How? By the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Folks, our entire belief is based upon that resurrection of Jesus Christ. It made possible our new birth. Look at what it says here. It, he begot, begot us again. He hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Born again. Heard that term, John 3, 3, ye must be born again. By the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we are begotten again. That is how you have your new life, because Christ rose from the dead. The rest of the leaders, religious leaders, they're in the grave. The popes are in the grave or headed there. Jesus Christ is alive, and he can give you a new life. Begot you again by the Holy Spirit of God because of that resurrection. Look back at 1 Corinthians 15. It's our hope. He begot us to a lively hope. It's lively. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, look at this in verse 19. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, there's that word, hope. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If Christ was just some religious leader that walked this earth, taught some good things, died on the cross, and that was, the it, that, that was it, just forget it. Let's pack up and go home because there's nothing else, there's nothing else to talk about. We're, we're, we're miserable pretending that we got something here. Verse 20, but now is Christ risen from the dead. See, that's not the case. We're not, we don't have to be of all men most miserable. We have hope in Christ not in this life only, but also in the, in the life to come. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. So Adam brought in sin into the world and brought death into the world along with it. Christ brought life into the world and brought, brought new, uh, eternal life into the world. By man came death, by man also came the resurrection from the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And that's the hope we have in Christ, not only because he resurrected, but because of his resurrection, we have a hope of resurrection ourselves. I mean, did you ever stop and like meditate on that? I mean, just think about the fact that at some point in time, whether the Lord comes back and we meet him in the air or whether we pass away and the Lord comes back and resurrects our body, we are going to spend eternity with the Lord. And all the stuff that goes on in this life, as bad as it can be, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. As bad as it can be, it's not even going to be a memory. One million, two billion, five trillion years down the road, you think you're going to think about what's going on now? That's why our hope needs to be in the things that the Bible says to put our hope in. The hope of Jesus Christ's resurrection makes possible our resurrection. The lost have no hope because they don't, they don't the Bible says in that passage, that famous passage about the, about the rapture of the church in 1 Thessalonians 4, it talks, I would not have you ignorant as those that have no hope. Why do they have no hope? Because they don't know anything about a resurrection. They have no hope, they have no possibility of a resurrection. They, they don't know anything about what Jesus Christ can do for them. I don't want you to be ignorant about that. You know, you look at the Bible, every time the, the, Paul says don't be ignorant about something, it's something that's a major problem in the churches, even now to this day. I don't want you to be ignorant of this. Well, there's a huge ignorance around the world, because uh, 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 even in Christianity, about the, the rapture of the church. And he says, I don't want you to be ignorant. Those that sleep in Christ, they're going to be resurrected. Those that are dead in Christ will be resurrected. We have hope because of the resurrection of Christ and our resurrection as well, made possible by that resurrection. And this is another one. Um, Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. This is where it all really leads up to. The Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, given to us by God the Father. The scriptures that let us know those things. 
The fact that he gave us a resurrection all leads up to this point. Titus chapter 2, look at verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation, there's God the Father and Jesus Christ, hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for, looking for what, Paul? Looking for the next election, no. Look at, looking for what? The next, the next uh, tax cut. Looking for the next, uh, you know, break in, you know, in, in a job opportunity. Look at, what, what are we going to look for? Looking for that blessed hope. What is that? And the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Do you know what our hope should be in? Christ coming back. That can happen at any time. There is nothing delaying that, that coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That can happen right now. It could happen next year. It could happen 10 years from now. I don't know. But, but since Paul's time, Paul has said this is an imminent thing. It can happen right now. And people start losing their hope. Where's the promise of his appearing? There goes the hope out the door. Because their hope is not in the right things. Their hope is not in what God said God said would happen. Christ is coming back. Doesn't matter how many people say, yeah, yeah, I've been hearing that since the 70s. Yeah, yeah, I've been hearing that. The Christians have been saying that forever. No, the Bible's been saying that. God's word says that. Thy word is truth. Believe it. Because when Christ comes back, you're, all this, it's not, it's not gonna matter. It's not gonna matter. And if you have that, that in your mind, in your heart, that meditation on that thing, that brings hope. That brings hope. I hope in my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I think, I think about him. Think on these things, Paul said in Philippians 4. Think about the, 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 the God, the Father. Think upon what God gave us to know and, and to read and, and to believe. And one of those things is the fact that Christ is coming back. Those are what our hope should be in. And if you can jump back to Acts 27, look at the result it had with Paul. Look at the confidence that he had because his hope was in these things. In verse, um, verse 25, which we read already, Acts 27, 25, he says, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe, God, that it shall be, even as it was told me. No doubt, no wavering, no uncertainty. Paul's like, I, I'm trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm trusting God. I'm trusting what he told me. I believe it's going be, to be exactly what he said. Exactly what he said. He had hope. Now, Colossians tells us to set our affections on things above, not on things on the earth. And that's why we need to put our affections on these things. The Lord Jesus Christ, God the Father, what his, what his word says, his, his imminent return. Um, that's what gives us hope. First Corinthians also tells us to not put our, we, we look not towards the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. And the only way we can do that is through, through faith in what God said. Those are the things God tells you about things that are not seen as yet. And that's how you have that confidence. And before we close, I'd just like to talk very quickly about if our hope is in the right place, not misplaced like we talked about the, sh the shipmen in the beginning of Acts 27, but placed in the things that Paul had his hope in, which brought strong confidence and hope to him. What is the fruit of that? What should be the outcome of this? Look again in, in, uh, in this passage we just read in Acts 27. Look at verse 22 and verse 25, some, a word that appears here. Paul says to them in verse 22, now I exhort you to be of good cheer. And he says that again in verse 25, be of good cheer. Do you know what hope brings? It brings good cheer. Romans chapter 5, verse 
2 says we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That hope brings rejoicing. That's a fruit of hope. You can tell right away when someone doesn't have a hope. They're, they're, they're down, they're downcast, they're, they're depressed. Because their hope is gone. I'm not, I'm not going to presume as to what exa- exactly happened to make them lose their hope, but their hope is gone. Look at this. We, we just talked about this, Paul's confidence in verse 25, the, the confidence that he had, no wavering, no doubts. It also brings not only rejoicing, but it brings stability. And boy, what is, we need now is stability. We need some stability. Um, Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18 and 19 says, we have this hope as an anchor of the soul both sure and steadfast. You know what that anchor does? You drop that thing overboard, it grabs onto a rock, and it keeps you there from from drifting around, not tossed about by every wind of doctrine, like Ephesians says. It keeps you stable. And that hope, the hope that we have as an anchor of the soul, keeps us stable, gives us stability, as opposed to tossed to and fro, like I said in Ephesians. Not only does hope bring rejoicing and stability, but um, look at 1 Peter 3. I didn't write down the whole verse. I want to read this whole thing. 1 Peter 3, verse 15. The Bible says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Do you know what happens when you have that hope and people see that hope? What do you got that that I don't got? You know what? Hope gives you an opportunity to testify the Lord Jesus Christ. You've been praying for an opportunity to talk to someone about the Lord or to have an opportunity to witness. You should. If we don't have that hope in us, we're all downcast because our hope is in a bunch of silly things that they ought not to be in. What was the world going to see in us? Huh? He's the same. He's, he's depressed about the election just like I'm depressed about the election. What, what is he, why do I need what he has? He's depressed about the economy like I'm depressed about the economy. Well, my hope shouldn't be in the economy. My hope shouldn't be in the politics. It should be in the Lord Jesus Christ and in his word and his soon his coming. And when that hope is in us, they ask you a reason of it. Why, why do you have that? And there's your opportunity. The point we're here, still here to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ and rescue another soul from the fires of hell. It gives you an opportunity to testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. And think of the testimony that Paul was to those men on the ship. They saw, what's wrong with you? 14 days we've been in this, in this storm and you're like, be of good cheer. Do you think someone didn't ask him, Paul, what's, what's the deal? What's, what's with you? Why do you have this hope? I'm sure they did. Um, hope gives us an opportunity to testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. Really quickly, I know we're running out of time here. 1 John chapter 3, verse two, verses 2 and 3 talks about, um, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. There's the, that, that, that catching away of the church, the rapture that we have hope in the coming of the Lord. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. So when we have that hope of the coming of the Lord, that hope causes us to purify ourselves. So not only does hope bring good cheer and rejoicing, not only does hope bring stability in our lives, not only does it bring an opportunity to testify the Lord Jesus Christ to the lost, it helps us to purify our lives. Because our mind is on the Lord coming back, and I need to be ready for that. I'm gonna, the, God's going to conform me to the image of Christ. I need, I need to be preparing for that. And last of all, um, what the fruit of hope is this. It strengthens, strengthens the heart. Th- Psalm 31, verse 24 says, He shall strengthen your heart 
all ye that hope in the Lord. Um, the Bible says in the last days, men's hearts will be failing them for fear. And that's not where the Christian should be. He, God should be strengthening our heart because we have hope in the right things, hope in the right things. Hope is commanded for us. Hope, uh, in 1 Peter 1, 13, it says this, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end. It's a command to do. It's not something that just, sit here and let it happen to me. Get your mind and your heart on the things that we should hope in. Hope. Gird up your loins, be sober, hope to the end. It's, it's also cultivated. In other words, it needs to be worked at. It needs to be grown into. Romans 5, verses 1 through 5, end up with saying, Tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. Sometimes we got to go through things to cultivate that hope and prove out. Paul tells Timothy to prove all things. God, the Father, told the Old Testament and the Jews in the Old Testament, prove me now. Go ahead, see if what I said is true. If you're hoping in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're hoping in God the Father, if you're hoping in his word, if you're hoping for his soon coming, all those things, see if it, when you have the troubles, they're, they're going to come, the troubles are going to come, they, they happen, see if I'm, I'm true or not. Prove him out. Because uh, as you go through those tribulations, and that works patience, and as that patience develops into experience, that experience will develop into hope because you've proved out the truth of the word of God and what he said, having our hope in the right things. So the question I'm going to leave you guys with, um, I'll, uh, I'm going to have Eric come up and, and lead a song that I asked him to do. I'll play it, but if you, want, if you the Lord spoke to you about anything about this, here, here's, here's the call. Where is now your hope? First of all, I'd like to say, if you've never trusted Christ and your hope is in religion or in your baptism or in your good works or whatever else listed, that anything besides the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ died on a cross for our sins, the Bible says. Your sin is what separates you from God. It doesn't matter how much good works you try to do, it's not going to cover it. We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's why God sent a remedy, a substitute in our place. Your hope needs to be in what Jesus Christ did for you. He died on the cross for your sins. He was buried and he rose again the third day. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians 15. You need to put your hope in Christ, first of all. If you do that, the Bible says he'll, he'll, he'll save you. You'll be born again by the Spirit of God. A new creature will be, will be made in you. And if you are saved, let's do a, a mental check, a life check. Where is our hope in right now? Is it in the things that God says our hope should be in? Is it in the things that Paul's hope was in in that trip? God wants us to abide in hope, and he wants us to abound in it as well. But it's our choice. It's our choice whether or not to do that. Um, the world can't provide things to hope in. But when we have the hope, hope in God, it provides that real rejoicing, the real stability, provides us those opportunities to testify of the Lord Jesus Christ, it helps us to purify ourselves, helps us to strengthen our heart. That's what the outcoming of, of hope is. And isn't that what we all want? We want stability. We want rejoicing. We want to be able to do something for the Lord. That's what we want. So I would ask everybody to consider, I, you know, in your heart, where's, where's now my hope? I'll be honest with you. I preached this message last year around December because the Lord was dealing with me about this. And then about a month later, God just let some things come in and just, <laughs> just beat me down and said, hey, do you really believe what you're preaching? And God, you know, God challenges you and says, hey, is this really going to be what you, and, and you know, I have to deal with it with God and, and, you know, but do you know what brought me out of it? Because I hoped in the things that God told me to hope in. 
So, you know, God kind of will refine you, take you down a little bit, fix, fix that thing. And when you got that, he said, okay, let's clean it up a little more and bring, break it down a little bit more and then just help you to hope in him, not in the things of this world. Hope in, hope in his word, not in man, politicians, all that stuff. So, um, Eric, you want to come and lead us in that song and then uh, you guys can uh, respond however you feel like. And then uh, I don't know if Brother Paul, you want to close the service after he sings.